Domain in real life is defined as an area controlled by a ruler or government. But in Magic's case, a planeswalker. The more land types you have will add more benefits to your strategy or reduce the cost of some activated abilities. Will this mechanic in Dominary United end up being broken? Will more lands help you? Find out on this episode of Dragon, uh, I mean Magic the Gathering, Under the Hood. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Magic the Gathering, Under the Hood. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody. And first and foremost, at the top of the episode, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, feel free to email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. And with that out of the way, Joe, what decks have you been working on? Everything is focused on Dominaria United right now. We just went through pre-release, and we're going to talk more about that later on. But all the new decks that I have are really looking at some of the interesting and exciting cards I pulled from pre-release kits over the weekend. So first, we're looking at Soul of Windgrace. It's going to be a Jund Lands Matters deck, but not in the idea of landfall necessarily. There'll be a little bit of that, but mostly let's get lands to discard them to Lord Windgrace so that we can draw cards, gain life, and then we'll get some added benefits along the way. We have an Ellis Ilkor Loris Companion deck. So Ellis Ilkor gives a Blood Artist effect and a Soul Sisters effect for gaining life and draining life whenever creatures come in or leave the battlefield. Loris, as a companion, requires all permanents in your deck to be CMC 2 or less. That being said, your commander has a converted mana cost of 2. I'm going to go ahead and try to make it so all the permanents are 2 or less, so Loris can be the companion, and we can have a massive reanimator idea set up going. I also pulled a card called Radadrabic of Urborg, that is based off of legendary creatures. So we're going to do a legendary tribal deck where we'll end up sacrificing the legends or letting them die to create zombie tokens that are not legendary of the legendary creatures. So the, the tokens will be 2-2 zombies, not legendary, but they have all the abilities of the legendary creature that went to the graveyard. So we'll get to actually put on, like, hopefully reanimate those legendary creatures again and maybe even have two of them on the battlefield at the same time. It's looking really interesting. That one, I think, is going to uh, be a little bit more expensive. One of the ones I'm really excited about, though, is Ivy Gleeful, Spe Gleeful Spell Thief. This creature, whenever another creature becomes the target of a spell, or a or of a spell, not an ability, just a spell, you may copy that spell onto Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief. So we're going to try to run a Mutate deck. Mutate is technically a spell that targets another creature. So when you mutate onto another one of your creatures, you can also mutate that same spell onto Ivy. You get to copy the mutate spell and put it onto Ivy at the same time. It's a really cool interaction with mutate, and there are a lot of blue-green mutate cards. So I'm really excited about it. Dominaria United just brought so many interesting legends for the commander format. And again, we love going and playing this singleton format. It, it's kind of the way we like to play. 
So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and that's what I'm going to be brewing for the next couple weeks. Chris, what about you? All right, so uh, pre-release, I pulled a uh, Liliana the Veil, uh, and this one is the uh, borderless one, so that one's really nice. Um, and I also pulled a Braids, uh, the new Braids. And so I was looking at both of those, and it was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to run... A, I'm just going to try and build, so right now it's starting out as a tiny leader, um, or might even be, turn it into like an actual full-fledged brawl deck. Okay. Um, and have that be as like discard, sacrifice, you know, mono block kind of control. That would be fun. Um, and then using some of the cards that I've already got, that I got from pre-release, um, my, uh, Kaza Royal Chaser, that one got a very serious upgrade. There are some really good Is It Spellslinger cards in that, in this set. There are, yeah. um, one that really caught my eye was, uh, Impede Momentum. Yes. Which, uh, for two mana, you get to tap, you get to tap a cre creature with three stun counters and scry one. Yes, please. Yes, you please. Essentially exactly. Uh, we were talking about it before, uh, before the episode, and essentially in a limited format. As soon as you play that, that creature is pretty much done for the rest of the game. Pretty much, yeah. You should also consider it's the red blue signpost uncommon Balmore. It only costs two to put into play, but anytime you cast an instant or sorcery, it gives your, your creatures plus one, plus zero, and trample until end of turn. You mean the bird wizard? The bird wizard. Yep. Yeah. He's our, yep. already in there? That was that, that was actually in my pity pack. Oh, there you go. Yeah, That's a great addition to, to a, a spell slinger deck. Yeah. Our words to live by for this week really go along with the theme of the show. The first one is Wooberg. Wooberg is an acronym that... I reluctantly have accepted. I really never liked using it, but it is something that's just nice and easy to say. It's an acronym for the five colors of mana. White, blue, black, red, green. And that's basically all it is. You'll hear it quite frequently, especially in the Dominary United set. Chris, what's our other word? Basic land. Uh, basic land is a land that has the super type basic printed on the left side of the type line. Having the basic super type enables you to have as many copies of that card in your deck as you would like. Typically, one of the five original lands, Plains, Island, Swap, Mountain, Forest. Uh, however, not all lands are these five basic land types. Uh, case in point, one of the uh, um, one of the big ones is, even though it is a basic land, it is not a basic land type, and that is Waste. Correct. Yeah, waste is not a basic land type. And remember, we have we have a couple lands, especially from Dominaria United, that do have a basic land type attached to them. Swamp, mountain, kind of an idea. But they are not a basic land. So just because you see a basic land type on it doesn't mean it's a basic land. It needs to have that super type basic off on the leftmost side of the type line. Chris, our show focus for today is Domain. And that is one of the new mechanics that's coming back and is an important part of Dominaria United. Talk to us about what is Domain, how long has it been around? 
So Domain originally appeared in the Invasion block as an ability that scaled based on the numbers of basic land types you control. At least one card in every color, plus a few in multicolor, and a few artifacts. Um, the next major appearance came in Conflux, which I actually remember this one. And that was when the Domain keyword was added. Uh, and then has random appearances in various supplemental sets over the next 10 years from that. Um, and most recently included in Dominaria with a good many cards that use the Domain effect. Quite a few cards that use Domain. The rules for Domain are really simple. There really isn't that much to talk about, as it is an ability word. So you'll find all the ability words in rules 207.2c. And basically, it just says that an ability word doesn't have any special rules meaning. It just groups a series of abilities that all tend to fall along the same kind of an idea. And that being said, Domain has no specific rules text, but it is a good indicator that the ability on that card will emphasize or be dependent upon the number of basic land types among lands that you control. So it's just a quick reference, see domain, you know you want to have as many basic land types out on the field as possible in order to use it. Now there are a number of cards with domain out there. Chris, tell us about our first big featured card with domain. So the first one that we're going to talk about is Draco. It is a artifact creature dragon. Uh, its mana cost is 16, generic. Uh, but it has, uh, the original text is Draco costs two less, uh, to play for each basic land type among lands you control. Uh, and it also has at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Draco unless you pay 10. This cost is reduced by two for each basic land type among lands you control. So the Oracle is domain, it costs two less for each basic land and... It actually has domain twice on it. Yeah. Um, because of its upkeep uh, trigger where you sacrifice it unless you pay 10. And domain cost is reduced for each basic land type. And uh, so this one at most, so at least you will be paying, if you have all five, that means you'll be dropping a 9-9 nine, nine with flying for a total of six mana. And, and if you can keep all the basic lands... And if you can keep all those basic land types, then it will reduce it to zero for his upkeep costs. Yeah. Very powerful card. Uh, we don't... You, you don't see it very much today. Uh, it originally was... It was only actually printed, I think, in Plane Shift. Uh, and it's had a couple, like, m random reprintings, but nothing that is overly notable. Our next card comes to us from the Conflux set. This is Exploding Borders. It is a sorcery for two generic, a red and a green. It has Domain, and search your library for a basic land card. Put that card on into play, tapped, then shuffle your library. Exploding Borders deals X damage to target player, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. So we know that the Alara block was all about the shards and the wedges. No, just the shards. Just the shards, yes, yeah. Just the shards. So, these three color sets were that, that was the main point of the Alara block. We know that having that domain ability in the Conflux set 
really help to emphasize that no, you don't want to play just two colors. You really want to do get a third color in there, make sure that you're getting all of the land types necessary. And this is one of those great examples where you see a signpost uncommon kind of an idea. Well, in this case, a signpost common, but it's something that telling you what red green kind of wants to do um, in the conflux set. Chris, what's next? Next one is Leyline Binding. It costs five generic and a white. It's an enchantment with flash and has domain. This spell costs one less to cast for each basic land type you control and also has when Leyline Binding enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Leyline Binding leaves the battlefield. So if you have all five land types, it costs a white. It costs white. I have a very strong feeling. This is just me, but I have a very strong feeling. This is going to make a huge splash in the Elementals deck that's popular in Modern right now. Yep. If, if they can find room for it, because most of them are running all five colors anyway. At least four of the colors. At least four of the colors. And so the to be able to remove something at instant speed like that, it's not target non-land permanent. So to be able to remove something like that at instant speed, essentially for two, that's that that's phenomenal. You it, can't you can't go wrong with that. Essentially, it is a faster, even if you only have four of the basic lands, that reduces it down to one in a one in a white. You know what else does right. the same effect in one in a white? Well, we have at pacifism, but at <laughs> sorcery speed. Oh, um, try uh, 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 what is it? What is it? Oblivion ring. Yeah. So it could be a cheaper, faster. Oblivion ring. Yeah. If you have, if you have all five land types, it's a cheaper, faster, oblivion ring. Journey to nowhere. Yeah. Pacifism. Well, and well, even not even pacifism. Pacifism only keep it still keeps it on the battlefield. Just makes it so it can't attack or block. Uh, most of the time, when you have these exile effects like that, it, you're looking at things like banishing light, which costs two generic and a white, and doesn't have flash. So in order to get this, you know, to have ley line binding able to hit the field at instant speed and again most of the time you are not paying more than three which even that that's great if you only have two colors down and you reduce it by two and you can pay it cast it for three you're still getting a great return on that you can reduce the mana cost by this in half with just one land well, oh, yeah. With the Triumphs? With the Triumphs, yeah. With the Triumphs or whatever we ended up calling them in the... Uh, triumphs. Yeah. Yeah, triumphs. we're calling them Triumphs. Yeah. <laughs> so so with the Triumphs and everything, you can reduce it down. I mean, if you have two Triumphs that, yeah. have, that cover all of them, you can, act, you can throw this down turn two, essentially. Yeah. If you have two Triumphs out. It's... Yeah. I am waiting to see just how expensive this card gets. It is from Dominary United. It's it's going to release the same day that this episode comes out. I'm really waiting to see where the price settles on this. I think a lot of formats are going to like it, especially the formats that have an easier time playing these three, four, five color decks. You know, you won't. I'm sure we'll see it in standard. It's great. I'm sure we'll see. You know, it'll get use in limited. But I'm really thinking like the Elementals deck in Modern, and there are a couple of the the four-color decks in Legacy that might want it too. Our last card also comes to us from Dominary United, and this is a sleeper card. 
that I know a lot of people weren't overly excited about listening to some people talk about this prior to pre-release, but it turned into a massive headache for a number of my opponents. This is Yavamaya Sojourner. It's a creature tree folk for seven generic and a green. You get a 4-6 that has domain. Its domain ability is this spell costs one generic less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control. I played this in my deck on Friday night of pre-release. And numerous times, numerous times, it hit the field for three or four mana. Never did I pay more than four. It, first of all, it was just that easy to get the domain cost down in Dominaria United. But also, when you are looking at dropping a 4-6 for 3 or 4 during your second main phase, after you just, you just did a massive attack on your opponent, and they think they're in great shape, you maybe only have one blocker up, and they're able to just come at you and you know, hit the crack back real quick, and your second main phase, you drop a 4-6 for 4, I actually had one person that looked at me and went, well, that's going to be tough to beat. And, and it is. And it was one of those sleeper cards that I looked at it, and until you realize how easy it is to get domain, especially with Dominary United and the cards they introduced, you don't realize how easily this card will hit the field. So those are some of our featured cards. The dominant colors for this ability, we have six in white, six in blue, seven in black, six in red, 16 in green, seven in multicolor, and seven colorless. There are no lands that care about domain, which is fine. It's clearly a, a, a more green mechanic than anything else, but it shows up everywhere. It's not like it's limited to one color overall. I, I mean, if you take out if you take green out of the equation, it is pretty much an even spread across all of the other colors and combinations yeah. and stuff like that it really is and what i really like doing doing the research on this part of the show notes the the domain ability wasn't limited to any one color especially in conflux and the invasion block you saw domain everywhere in all colors and that also stayed true with dominary united now, you don't see quite as much domain in black. There are only a couple spells in Dominaria United that use it, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's still there. It's present in all colors, and it matters in all colors. It's not a, a, a spell that you can just, okay, fine, I'll drop it. And if I get it you know, for X equals 2, X equals 2, if that's what my domain is. No, they, it matters, and it benefits you to get that domain up to 5 as quickly as possible. Chris, what kind of decks do we really see running Domain? So, as of right now, Dominary United has a couple of decks based around Domain, namely in Blue-Green and Red-Green. The Blue-Green, Simic, no surprise there, because Simic, yeah. Simic does Simic things, and we know we all know, well, all of us veteran players know how just how powerful Simic can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can. <laughs> Uh, pretty much anything that has green in it will also be good because green is the color of ramp. Um, but like we just said, there is domain in every color. So you could have a 
so there can be domain decks that are outside of those colors. Just yeah. they just take a little bit more work to get going. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, like even the few black cards that have domain, those ones are still good. Yeah, I would agree. Was it you that pulled the board wipe drag to the bottom? No. No, it must have been somebody else that pulled the one okay, yeah, right. It was one of our other other friends that pulled the board wipe. I think it was at Saturday. But I remember I played him and he ran a five color five color deck on Saturday that was based around domain. He never got the board wipe out, but he was excited to use it and excited to have it as part of his deck and knowing that all five colors had something that mattered with domain really does change your opinion of the mechanic as a whole. You know, it's not it's not a well, we're going to put it in green and a little bit of blue and then a little bit of red. So really it's going to be like a teamer setup. No, it's it's with all five colors. And drag to the bottom is each creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn where x is 1 plus the number of basic land types among lands you control. So if you have all five types, that means each creature is getting minus six, minus six for four mana. Which is ridiculous. That, that, that's amazing. That's an amazing rate. Yeah. We had, again, plenty of experience trying out and playing against this mechanic over the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here later. But we're going to talk about how to play with the ability and how to play against the ability. So, Chris, I know I played decks that really emphasized domain. Did you play any decks that emphasized the domain ability? I had... I rebuilt one during the buy that I had, the buy round. I rebuilt one to actually include a little bit more domain. But the curve... I only played it once, and the curve on it was so high that I couldn't get it to work. Gotcha. Um, But I didn't really... I didn't really play with Domain. I didn't even really look build around the mechanics. I just kind of built with what I pulled because I pulled some really good cards and just okay. kind of put those together and built, okay. gotcha. built something. But I I mean, if you want, because you did Domain and I, so played, I, and I played against a lot of Domain. So how okay. about we split it that All way? All right, that's how we'll do it. So one of the things that I noticed with Domain, you really need to fix your land types early. This is not to say you want to fix your colors early. You're going to do that anyway, but you want to fix your land types early. The faster you can get five, all five basic land types on the field, the faster you're going to hit the max with that domain, and that's, that's really what you're aiming to do. But keep in mind, it's okay to use domain spells if you only have three of your five types. I mean... Chris, I'm sure, will attest that there were some players who got some pretty heavy-hitting spells down, even though they only had three of their four land types on the field. Or, sorry, three of their five. And kind of similarly, when I had, like, the Yavamaya Sojourner, if I only had four of the five, it doesn't matter. I'm still playing Yavamaya Sojourner. If I only had three, I would have played it. That wasn't the case any of the times that I had it, but if I only had three of the land types... A 4-6 for 5 is still decent. I'm going to play that. As long as I'm not paying 8, I'm happy. The one bad part about Domain, it is a mid-range deck. 
it takes some time to get going. And so if you're running domain, that's why your, your land type fixing is so, so important. You have to be prepared for some of that early damage if you go up against an aggro deck. And I don't know what that's really going to look like outside of the limited format from pre-release weekend. We, we're sitting here saying, well, it's a mid-range deck. You might take some damage from an aggro deck early on. The right aggro deck may have you just completely annihilated before you're able to get your your domain spells up and running. You know, I, I know, Chris, you really like to play aggro, and I'm sure some of your aggro decks, if you like, domain is not going to cut it in modern. No, you, you, you can't run a domain deck in modern. Now, you can put a domain spell or two, like we were talking about that Leyline Binding might find its way into modern, but you, you domain, can't run a domain deck in modern. Domain support, but not a full-fledged domain deck. Right, yeah. You, you can run some support cards, but yeah, you can't do a full-fledged... It, it's too slow, depending on the format. If you are going to run domain... I would highly encourage you to emphasize green slightly more above your other colors. Simply because green, not only in the domain world, has, as we saw, more cards that pertain to domain than any other color, but also it tends to have the land base mana ramp in it. So in order to get your lands out, you want to make sure you have the green mana to pay for those green spells so you can get the right colored lands onto the field, or I should say the right basic land types onto the field as quickly as possible. So you're going to want a little bit more green above the other colors, but I'm not saying that you run like half your deck green and then the other half is whatever. I would just say whatever you plan to run, emphasize green slightly more than the others, just so you can hit your five land types as quickly as possible and get those ramp spells going as quickly as possible. And plus, with being in green, uh, depending on what format you're playing, it will also give you two cards like Oracle of Moldiah, uh, right. Azusa, Ramanet Excavator for your, uh, what, are, what have we been calling them, auto-fetches? Yeah. From... Uh, new Capenna. Yeah. So, um, because Ramon Excavator lets you play from the graveyard. Yes. So, green... Ancient Green Warden's the same way. Dryad of the Elysian Grove lets you drop more lands. But you, you get the idea. Yeah. yeah. Green will give you a lot of support for being able to fix your lands or be able to get a lot of lands out there a lot more quicker. Um... Are you good with me taking? I yeah, guess it? I, I think that, I think that's that's really about all we have. But again, we've only been p really playing with domain over the weekend, and those are just the things that I noticed and the things that I saw in the games that I played, both when I was playing domain and playing against a domain deck. So keep those in mind if that's going to be one of the focuses of your deck. Chris, you played against domain decks. How did you beat them? All right, there are three key things. You want to hit fast. You want to destroy lands and you want to remove creatures. I'll touch on each of those separately. So In the next 90 minutes, you too will learn how to do all of those things. No. <laughs> uh, so you want to hit fast, you want to hit hard. You want, because you are, because domain is more mid-range and takes a while to get going, um, if you are able to hit hard and hit fast, you are able to kind of set yourself up for the mid-game where it will literally... The mid game will turn into end game. Yeah. 
Um, which br which brings me to my second point: land destruction. However taboo it may be for magic being where land destruction is kind of frowned upon. I'm okay with like targeted land destruction. It's the mass land destruction where everybody loses all of their lands and we're starting back at zero. That's where that is frustrating. Yes. That, that's where I get frustrated. But for me, I was playing braids. I was sacrificing my own lands to get them to sacrifice to possibly sacrifice their own lands as a way to um, destroy their lands. Yeah, and, and eliminate their domain capabilities. Exactly. It's a great so idea. So land destruction is an option no matter how frowned upon it is. Um, if it works, it works. There is no rule that says you can't have land destruction. It is an option. You just have to break those taboos and... Play it. Well, and let's be clear, it's really only a taboo when you get to multiplayer games, and you're right, the mass land destruction. If it's a one-on-one -on -one game, if you're in standard and, you go, and you're playing a land destruction deck, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's your game plan. It's not really well supported, so I will be impressed if you pull off a land destruction deck. But you're absolutely allowed to do that. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a strategy to win the game. And then the last one, remove the creatures that benefit the most from having all five land types or ha that have very beneficial domain abilities. Um, if it's a creature, it will most likely die to removal. Most likely. Do you might, I mean, I know there's one that, uh, no, that one was just uh, the Kraken or whatever, the sea serpent thing that costs less for instance and sorceries that had ward two. Oh yes but i mean um if i know the there's one where rod is a uh, firebrand uh her domain is five and a red she gets plus two plus two until end of turn and this ability costs less for each basic land type um so if you only have a mountain it will it'll reduce it down to uh, five, but if you have domain, it reduces it all the way down to a single red. A single red to give it plus two plus two. Yeah. Um. So, but still, it's a creature, so it dies to removal. Yeah, pretty easily. So removal is your friend, whether it be whether it be destroying it, whether it be um, exiling it, forcing them to sacrifice it. If it's not on the board, it's no longer a threat. Yeah, basically, basically. I think that kind of sums it up, and I, I guess those were kind of my experiences too when it comes to playing against a domain deck. Now, Chris, I do want to want to ask a question and again we're hypothesizing here we haven't seen domain out in the wild and in other formats outside of limited if let's say an aggro deck goes up against a domain deck the aggro deck is doing well but can't quite close out the game until before the domain player is able to start really benefiting from domain do you think the domain player has a chance to come back and win? Or do you think that the aggro player is, in the end, going to end up making it through to, the, to, the, to win the game? 
I would honestly put it at about a 60-40 split favoring uh, Agro winning. Okay. Just because, yes, they might finally have Domain, and they might have been holding up cards for to use with Domain, but at that point, the Agro deck is pretty much already set up and can just keep going, and it may take a little bit longer, but... Uh, but at the same time, there are some pretty good cards uh, dragged to the bottom mm-hmm. that will shut down an aggro deck if they have domain. Um, trying to think of some other things. Uh, and again, I know it depends on the format. Obviously, if you're doing a legacy aggro deck, the, the game can literally be over by about turn four. Yeah, if you're doing a legacy aggro deck, it, it it will just go that fast. But if you're playing maybe a standard aggro deck that runs a, a little bit slower than that, let's be honest, not by much, only a turn or two, but it runs a little bit slower. I think that maybe the domain player, depending on what they're able to put down on the field, might be able to stabilize enough to hold off the aggro player. Because one of the good things I did notice about domain everything scales. And so the the further you get into the game, the bigger your threats become, whereas the aggro player doesn't necessarily scale as well as the game goes on. So that's one of the things I, I really think that Domain has going for it. The longer the game goes, the more Domain is going to scale with the, with, with the resources of the Domain player where the aggro player might be a little stuck and only having resources that are, well, that's it. That's what they have. And maybe they burn themselves out too early in the game and they can't get the gas to keep moving anymore. So just a thought. Again, we haven't seen it released in the wild, so I don't know how it's going to work yet. I'm honestly trying to remember back to Conflux to try and think of how how big of an impact Domain made back then. I don't think it made much back then, but today, with some of the powerhouse cards that there are, mm-hmm. um, there are definitely going to be some cards that do find a home somewhere, whether it be Drag to the Bottom, yeah, uh, Leyline Binding, um... The green one where it's his power and tough, toughness is twice your domain. Oh, yes. Yes. I think it's Morrow Sentinel, I think is the name of that card. But yeah, the, the power and toughness is equal to twice the domain. Uh, twice whatever your domain is. So it's really easy. Territorial Morrow is what it's called. But real easy to get a 10-10 out on the field for five. Four generic and a green. Another one that it was one of the things that just kept keeping me alive. I think it was Friday night I had one of these. I played it. And when you're going in for 10 every turn, the only downside was that it didn't have trample. If I was able to put trample on that thing, which unfortunately I couldn't, but that's just the way that set worked. Still, I was forcing the opponent to block every single turn swinging in with that 10-10 and they didn't have a removal spell for it so I just kept at it it was it was impressive all right 
we've sort of talked about some of the different formats already, mm-hmm. uh, in especially in our you know just discussion right there. But I really do think some of the domain spells we have now are I think they're going to find a home in some other sets or some other formats. Leyline binding probably being the poster child right now for domain style removal going back further to pioneer modern legacy. I'm not saying it will, but I think it's got a real shot. If if any of the domain spells have a shot, I think that's the one that will. Yeah, that one gets my vote as well. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts on domain, Chris? Domain? Uh, not so much. It's going to be interesting to see where all of the different domain spells kind of land. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, but other than that, domain's fun. I mean, it is. I mean, like you said, it scales and it's very rewarding if you can get it. Um, but yeah, that's domain. Yeah. And this set in particular, domain, you, you initially think of it, and I had remembrances because I played with domain cards back when I first got started. Invasion had, the invasion block had just cycled out of what at the time was called type two, type two style play. It had just cycled out, but invasion cards were all relatively available. Yeah, extremely available. So I had plenty of them, and I have some of those old invasion, plane shift, and apocalypse cards. I No, I don't have the apocalypse cards, because there's only two. But I have some of the invasion and plane shift ones that have the domain abilities, and I remember thinking how cool they were, but the idea of running a five-color deck was just not as feasible at that time as it is today. Nowadays, with Dominary United especially, having those dual lands with two basic land types at common just makes domain so much easier to achieve so quickly. And especially depending on the type of deck you're running, you could easily run one land that has your color that you're actually playing, but it also has an off-color land type. It doesn't hurt you at all. You basically just think of it, okay, it's a tap land to start, but it adds to my domain ability, and it's just going to help me so much more in the long run. So, yeah. All right. We're going to move to our scuttlebutt now, and we're going to talk about the Dominary United pre-release. We've been talking a lot about it already, but this is going to be more focused on just the actual cards and the set as a whole, rather than talking about specifically domain. Um, we are going to we're going to talk about all the mechanics a little bit here as well and our experiences with them but we're going to try not to go too deeply on them. We'll save a lot of that for their, their own show that they're each going to get later on. So you won't hear a lot about Enlist today. Uh, you'll hear, you already heard a lot about Domain, so we're not going to harp on that too much more. Uh, we won't hear much about Stun Counters yet. We'll, we'll talk a little read bit ahead. about them. Yeah, read Ahead, stuff like that. We'll talk about that on full episodes, but we are going to mention them today so that you know, they're, they're part of the set and they're part of what we liked about the set and what we did. So, Chris, your thoughts? Well, I mean, my thoughts are kind of skewed a little bit, but then again, I did pull a really nice $60 card in my very first pack. So, yes. <laughs> so there's that. And then, like, and I don't, I think... 
there was also another person that pulled a Liliana of the Veil at Saturday's pre-release. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, one that pulled Shieldred. Yeah. Uh, there was one that pulled Jaya. Um, there was one I think pulled uh, a Johnny. And then, and then there was definitely a Karn because I remember seeing him play that. Yeah, one of, one of our buddies did pull a Karn, and, and I so, played against it. <laughs> and so it was like all we all got. It seemed like everyone got at least one awesome card. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree. Like I'm absolutely blown away with like hearing ever like as I'm you know cracking my packs and you know, trying to formulate an idea of what I was going to build, hearing, oh, I got a Jaya. Or, um, oh, wow, a uh, Shieldred. And then I pull a Lily and a Braids. Awesome. And, like, I I had fun. I did. I agree. Like, it honestly felt like it was... It felt like... It was a much needed, like, sort of reset, kind of, sort of. Especially after the fiasco that was Double Masters. Mm-hmm. And we we liked the set, but nobody wanted to pay to draft the set. And we weren't happy, after about a week or two, we weren't happy buying packs either. RLGS still has packs of Double Masters from their first shipment sitting on the shelves because people don't want to pay for them. They know that they're just not going well. And after New Capenna, where they were three colors, you know, sets, and it was okay. We enjoyed it at first, but it lost its shine really quick. I agree. This was a nice breath of fresh air for how to play the game and getting back to some of the original ideas of Magic. It almost... I I just had the, I had the thought... This honestly feels like a core set rather than like an actual set. Like it does introduce a few new mechanics, but it's not like it's overbearing. There isn't it yeah. isn't forcing you in one singular direction with your build style. Well, actually, and you know what? I I like what you said there because they had they had the two color the signpost on commons. There were two colors. But you saw the kicker costs that were in there, and they were all the kicker costs were a different color. None of the kicker costs in this set match or are generic mana only or match the color identity of the card. They're all a different color of mana. It honestly, to me, feels like a throwback to the original Invasion and Plane Shift and Apocalypse set, where you had Domain, Kicker, you had these ideas. You didn't have stun counters, obviously, or you know sagas. But kicker and domain started in invasion, and so to bring those mechanics back, and I like they they didn't. There was so much overlap between the colors and how you could run things. the The uncommons were there. The signpost cards were there, and you could build off of those. But I don't know about you. Both nights, I'm I'm trying to build off of my uncommons. And it's just not happening. Like no matter how hard I try, it I, I can't follow necessarily the uncommon ideas. I'm not getting the support. But I see all the cards that I have, and eventually it took me a while, especially on Friday. But it took me a while to get an idea of okay, I can take all of these cards, work them together, and they they work. 
It's not as streamlined as I would like it to be, but they all sort of work together. It, and it gets back to the idea of how it was before signpost uncommons, where you, you have to figure out the set a little bit more, and you have to do a little bit more work to understand how to play the game. It's not going to be just handed to you. Now, when we go to draft, is it handed to you? Yes, yes. You can find those signpost uncommons, and you can draft a deck that will be very synergistic. But for sealed, I, th I think it's really clever and creative how they were able to overlap everything so well. So I'm looking here uh, on our like basic notes and everything, and it says, there are clever and creative ways to win in this set. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. <laughs> uh, my the last, um, the last game of the night on Saturday for me. Uh, I talked. I think I talked about it earlier. Yeah, before um, before we recorded. Before we recorded, but essentially what it turned into was I had braids and two other creatures on my field. They had at that uh, they just blocked with one of their creatures, um, or it, I removed it or something. But I got them down to one from six down to one. And then at the beginning of my instep, I chose to sacrifice a creature, which then my opponent had the gave my opponent had the option to either sacrifice a creature or lose two life and I draw a card. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't have a creature. So by default, they had to lose two life and they were at one. So that is how I won my last game for the night by not even really... It, I won off of an effect rather than like... Yeah. Uh, like, that one was... It was almost like what it would feel like if I actually managed to win with a sign in blood. Yes. <laughs> Which is my, like, really weird, like, achievement that I'm going for. Just win a game <laughs> with sign in blood. But... Like, there are creative ways. I mean, there are, I mean, you can do the spell slinger shenanigan type yeah. steel stuff. There's graveyard shenanigans that you can do. There, there's legendary matters shenanigans if you can pull enough legends to do that. Um, there's green stompy for sure. Yeah. Like, there is aggro stompy for sure in this set. There's just so many different directions that you can do. Like, I built Orzov, so white, black aggro control yeah and then i later splashed in blue just so i could get a few more things but like i never would have thought that i would have built white black control aggro as a deck but it worked and it was absolutely fun yeah did i miss a few triggers I... that could have saved my board yes yes i did but i was just having so much fun playing like, right. like you said, this was a brush of fresh air. Like, it was so nice to be able to build how I wanted to build and not have, like, the set dictate how I was supposed to build. Yeah. Now, that being said, I do think that the set as a whole is less powerful than sets in the past. There are specific cards that are extremely powerful. Liliana the Veil is an extremely powerful Planeswalker, has been since it was originally printed in Innistrad. But that, but then again, the reason why that one is so powerful is because it is a straight-up reprint. Right, exactly. But at the same time, I also think Braids 
is a rather powerful card. I think we're going to see that a lot more. Shieldred, not as powerful, I think, as some of the other, so, uh, the original version of Shieldred. Certainly not as powerful as that, but powerful in its own right. I played against one of those on Friday night, and the four-life swing, the four-life difference that happens in a turn cycle is significant, and it's not easy to come back from that. Plus, it's a 4-5. That's with pretty death powerful. With Touch. Yeah, with Death Touch. 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. The Enlist mechanic, it's, it's nice. It has its benefits. I think only a couple of the Enlist cards will actually see play, but it, it, it is nice. It has its uses. Kicker is, of course, always good. You know, but we'll see how, how much that actually shows up outside of, like, standard with these kicker cards. The read-ahead mechanic, I don't know how I feel about that one yet. I didn't see... A, honestly, I did not see a lot of sagas. I pulled one saga. Okay. And guess what saga it was? It was the, the blue saga I wanted for Brubeck. Well, there you go. <laughs> it was it was the one with read-ahead to mill. So I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to read it. I'm going to pay, was it two or three? Something yeah, like it, that. It's fairly, fairly cheap. Read ahead to. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it, it it's a good set. I like it. I don't know how how much it's going to do outside of that. But I had a great time Friday and Saturday. I, I really enjoyed building. It, it, it was, was completely a blast. different. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you if you're available, but I know our, our release day. Our LGS is planning to do something again with Dominary United. I think they set a draft, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. It might end up being more pre-release kits on Friday night. But I know they do have a draft scheduled for Saturday. I'm not able to go to that one, but... Um, I might go to it. Yeah, I think it, it's going to be a good time. I think people are going to like this set. And I think that over time, it's going to be one of those nice nostalgic sets for people that have been playing the game for a long time. Especially people like me who played before we left Dominaria. It really takes me back to some of those older days of playing when we, we when Dominaria was the only plane of existence at that time that you know that you visited. I, I like it. I think it's a fun set even if it doesn't make huge waves outside of standard or limited. I like it. I think it's a great set and I'm I'm really excited to see what happens and what becomes of it in the weeks and months to come. So, all right, Chris, any other thoughts on Domain, Dominary United? No, no, I think with all of, I think, you know, we're at a good spot. So, uh, say we clean up and uh, get out of here. Sounds like a plan. All right. So, thank you for listening. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to give us your thoughts on Dominary United, uh, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Facebook or Twitter using the handle at MTG Under the Hood. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.